Welcome back to the Cock and Ball podcast, where you look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Fenn, chairman of this breakaway league of elite podcasters. And joining me tonight is a legacy fan who demanded three and a half billion pounds just to be here tonight. It's Ash. Where's my money, mate? Where's my money? <laughs> uh, it's in the post. Um, our usual podders are in the shape of Jim and Jules can't make it tonight. They want a breakaway of their own. Uh, so we're joined by a man who, much like Spurs in the European Super League, is here just to make up the numbers. It's Tashley's big brother, Chris. How are you doing, pal? You all right? Oh, very well, thank you. Uh, it's good to have you. But as this is your uh, inaugural voyage, let's just get to know you a bit. Quick fire, your first, or sorry, your favourite Spurs goal. There's a few, but just for what it brought to me at the time would have to be Paul Robinson against Watford. <laughs> it no, was a, not enough people talk about that. First, first, first ever game that I was sitting front front row, right behind, I think it was Foster at the time, Ben yeah, Foster. Yeah, it was, yeah. Cavender jumps, misses, Foster's lost, <laughs> just sails in the net right in front of me. Beautiful. Uh, second quick fire question, your favourite Spurs kit. This is where we judge you the most. Um, has to be one that I actually remember, although there's a good retro ones that I like. If it weren't for the red, I actually quite like these night kits. They're quite plain, simple, hit quite hard. Um, yeah, when they're doing plain. Yeah, but then if you want to go back in retro, I like the purple pony one. It was different. <laughs> the so-called chocolate kit back in the day. Oh, yeah, that was... Um... That one was a favourite. Yeah, plenty on the back, didn't you? Yeah, I think I had a... <laughs> I think I did have Ben Lee <laughs> yeah. with that one. I had a Huddleston one. And you know, the, the, the letters used to always peel off that. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, I've had not the best player choices in names on the back of kits. Um, <laughs> they normally left straight after. I remember Defoe left for Portsmouth the final year I got him. Berbatov on the... Berbatov uh, left on 125th anniversary kit. He went to United. <laughs> Apart from that, I think the, the new Nike playing ones are quite nice. Well, let's hope you don't get a, a cane kit for Christmas this year <laughs> anyway it's been a crazy week for Spurs uh, that's to say the least uh, we got called a Tim Pot cl- club by a paint dog on Thursday threw away another away lead on Friday joined the Moly Corrupt Super League on Sunday sat Jose Mourinho on Monday making us the only club he'd never won a trophy at on a new level of Spursy uh, and then we withdrew from the Super League on Tuesday that was Craig David's rendition of this week for Spurs um, <laughs> But leaving the Super League is fantastic news. The people have prevailed. And ultimately, Chris, the right outcome has come out. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there needs to be a new injection of something within UEFA and FIFA. I just think the way they went around it was wrong. The actual format they had was wrong. Had the teams spoke to the fans first, maybe got ideas on the table with players and what they want to see and what fans want to see in terms of a format, then there might have been a different story. Well, that's it. And I think the annoying thing as well, you mentioned they didn't speak to the fans beforehand, but even the apology after was absolutely appalling. I mean, you just compare it to the Arsenal one and even uh, the Liverpool owner came out and said sorry, didn't they? Whereas all we got was Levy saying I was right, but hey, you pushed me into a corner. Just a bit. It wasn't an apology. You're giving it too much uh, credit there. He didn't apologise. And no. at one point was the word sorry or apology used. Uh, it was a bit of a, yeah, you're right. This is but, what I think should have happened. But you guys didn't agree. So mm. I'm not defending Lee because I'm not his biggest fan. However, let's, let's think about it in, in the sense that he's not apologised because 
he's done what he thought he was right. These people, like John W. Henry or whatever his name is, they were leading factors into doing this. They've said sorry because they've had to, not because they want to. Their sorry is nothing. So leaving by not apologising, in a sense, is like, well, we're making you say sorry. That's the only reason why you're doing it. At least he's stuck to his guns. He's stuck to what he believes at. He's not just saying sorry for the sake of it, which I think is more hurtful when you don't receive a genuine apology. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think it deserves saying as well that we dedicated, I think, probably our longest podcast yet uh, on our spin-off series, which covers football more in general. It's called Third Eye. We published it, I think, Tuesday morning. And by Tuesday evening, everyone had pulled out of the uh, Super League <laughs> and made our podcast completely irrelevant. But there was like 53 minutes of quite a passionate talk between uh, me, Jules and Jim. So if you want a, a bit more of a, a detailed look at that uh, and some of our feelings around that, take a look wherever you get your cock and ball podcast. Uh, you should see it on there. I think it's called Greed. Anyway, the second biggest news, which was kind of almost brushed under the carpet, <laughs> you could say cynically, uh, shortly after the whole Super League debacle, uh, Jose's gone. I mean, we never really wanted him, but I mean, he's gone now, Ash. Was it, was it the right time for him to go? No, because it should have been about three month, months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah, I, I was never Jose in or Jose out. Like you said, I didn't want him in the first place. But when he came in, I sort of reconciled with myself. I'll be happy with a more pragmatic style of play if, you know, if the results come and if it becomes justified. I mean, getting us to a league final in the Carabao Cup, where we're probably going to get spanked by City anyway, just doesn't cut it. And... The performances were just so, so bad. I mean, there was maybe a period, I can only think of maybe four or five games where we actually looked good. Yeah, I hope he's sat at home at the moment, just crying into a glass of whiskey and <laughs> reconsidering his life choices. As long as he's not about Spurs, I don't give a shit. True. Chris, you uh, you might remember him more from his time at Inter than I do. Cause, you yeah. know, Listen, at the end fans. of the day, he brought joy to, to my dad, to me, to Ashley as well, but he was a lot younger. So I'm never going to take away what he's rightfully earned. I think with Mourinho, I think he's more of an international uh, manager now. I think that the players' mentalities have now changed and not in a good way. Let's put it out there. Um, Mm. You don't have your Roy Keynes, your Patrick Evers, Patrice Evers. You don't have a lot of players that would, or Edgar Davids even when he was at Tottenham, (laughs) weren't the greatest player, but he put his heart and soul into everything. You've got players back in the day that have not worked for their manager for over 30 years, but yet they still call him Gaffer out of respect. They probably called him Jose in training ground, <laughs> like they called him Potch. Do you know what I mean? I think players are going in the wrong directions in terms of mentality. That's not all of them, but I think that's where Mourinho is going to struggle now. And I think he's either got to go to an international level where he has total control or he goes more to a European old school Italy kind of league Portuguese kind of league I think he's still going to be successful um, I just don't think the Premier League's for him I can stay a long way from it <laughs> <laughs> we'll replace him with one of our own in Mason Chris you're his age do you reckon you'll be able to get a yes? <laughs> listen I sent my application in. I don't think they've even had a look at it to be honest with you let's be honest I was crying for Harry Redknapp to come back for seven games he would have been his coaching stuff like Crouchy and Crenshaw and Jim Paul. yeah Crenshaw would be that <laughs> Joe <laughs> Jordan to, to square up to uh, Gattuso again and like that kind of levels shit I'd love to see that 
do you know what? I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to support him because I support the club. So I'll support any manager that comes in. I'm never. I'm not going to judge him because he can't change Sankey in seven days. Let's be honest. They could have let the players and let Harry Kane do Sunday league style. <laughs> Your managers on holiday. Let the captain be. Him and Larice have joint control. But look, I hope all well to him. I hope this starts off a good, successful career. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be what the players decide. Yeah, Tom. He said in his uh, his first interview that he he wants to make us proud. He wants to see Tottenham play the way he remembers Tottenham playing, and that's on the front foot and aggressive. I guess that's something that you want to see as well. Were you were you impressed by his his first interviews? Yeah, I was impressed by what he said, um, and more so as we're recording off the back of his first game and his first win. I was quite a bit more impressed with uh, how he played in the end. I mean, he talked in the, in the interviews about playing with a lot of freedom. He said all the right things that we wanted to hear. But then <laughs> looking at the way we started the game, it was almost like, no, no, don't give them freedom. Don't give them to freedom to do whatever <laughs> they want. Like, it's about us to have freedom of expression. It's different. But, you know, the right results come about at the end. He's got his, uh, his first win. I, I thought it would be a next level of Spursiness to get a new manager in with new manager syndrome and still not win the game. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a proper game of two halves, Ash. And uh, I think just about the right outcome prevailed. Yeah, before we get on to the second half, first half was obviously much of the same. It was a bit slow. We had players out of position here and there. Everyone seemed to want to take three or four touches before moving on the ball. Lucas, I don't even know what position he was supposed to be playing. He was just dropping into CDM. He thought he was Harry Kane and he's just not. <laughs> but I guess the biggest compliment I could pay to Mason was that it all changed at half time. And that's what we expected from a manager like Jose Mourinho to be able to make the right choices and to be able to spark a change in the team, which is what we didn't see. So well done to Mason for you know for getting a result out of out of the lads. Chris, did you what what changes did you see most in the second half? I just saw better game management. I thought Lacelso had looks like he's coming back to fitness, buzzing around in the first half, but never really got on the ball. Didn't really control anything. In the second half, I saw the midfielders winning the ball and looking for Lacelso, looking to get the ball forward out wide. Um, Son was a lot wider like he was under Poch, almost touching that the left wing. You had Regulon bombing on in times where Son had mm. cut in and he was in miles of space and that, that cross-field ball. Um, Bale done it a couple of times. It opened up a lot of space. Um, so I thought the game management, space management was a lot better. Mm. And I think Lacelso and Dombelli would have had a lot more space if, like you said, Ash, Lucas was not just running around like a headless chicken. <laughs> um, he might not have been a great effect but in games like that you've got to play Vinicius and you've got to play an out and out striker because he'll give them centre-backs something to think about um, and it also give space for Lacelso to be able to play Lucas was just in the way of them boys tonight and that's why I think Ndombele didn't really do much um, but apart from that I think yeah second half was much better first time passes one of the attacks that led to a goal eventually the ball was played in to the centre midfield at Lucelso by Aurier he didn't look out for Bale like we normally would, just playing it side to side. He cut that ball in with a lot of venom and it went straight into La Celso. So, yeah, no, second half much better. First half was poor. I think man of the match for me was Lloris. Just that first 10 minutes, we could have been 4-0 down, mate, if it weren't for him. Yeah, it was a, it was a risky start. I mean, you're talking about 
finishes potentially giving their centre back something to think about. Their centre backs gave us loads to think about <laughs> um, because there was a series of set pieces in the first 15 minutes where they were just causing problems because they've got a perfect combination of like massive geezers in like, Vestergaard <laughs> and Bednarek. And then you've yeah. got Ward Prowse taking the, the set pieces. You can just put anything on a sixpence. Like, I think the first two corners that they took, he was just getting them on Larissa's head uh, and it was causing them a few problems. Uh, I think it was a free kick as well that led to his double save. We, we were sort of riding it, our luck a little bit, uh, just, well, just putting it lightly at times. But you've got, I think you've got to give them a lot of credit. They started the game really intensely, put us on the back foot very early on. Mm. And Danny Ings' header for, for their first goal was, you know, world class. But, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about not putting a man on the back post. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think with that, I think you could see from Southampton that that was it normally with goals like that, you see a cross just being put in and they just anyone's fighting for it. I believe it might have been Vescard or Bedenek. They were in front of the goalkeeper, and for that header to sneak through, yeah. he's pulled away, run away from where the ball's going. It's drawed the man out, and that's why the ball sneaked through. So you got to give it to mm. Southampton. I think that was a well-played set piece. Um, first 15 minutes, they they, they looked they looked class. Mm. Um, I'll be honest with you, moving the ball around, Teller was causing us problems. Um, Walker Peters, well, Peters so. yeah. Joe. You know Heads up to the boys, they, got, they, they controlled the game second half. Um, Diana and Ireland looked to steady things up eventually. So, yeah, as much as I hate Dyer, you've got to give credit to him. <laughs> well, well, yeah, if you saw my tweet before the game, you know I'm not a Dyer fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think there was, two, there was two big changes that brought the game back into our hands. So you, you, we slowly started to come into it after their first goal as we usually do, to be fair, but usually it's too late to do anything after we've conceded. So it's nice to go the other way. But we, yeah, we got on the ball. We were more, far more composed. The movement in front of the midfield actually gave them someone to pass to. And the midfielders themselves were picking out better options. So we didn't lose the ball. And secondly, it was Ings going off because that that boy is, is a fantastic mm. striker. And mm. him going off was... Um, was a real turning point, I thought, even if it was just in our confidence and in their confidence. You can see they're not the same team without him. But don't you think that was a bit of a Ralph Husenheitel mistake? Mm. Whereas we've seen plenty of times, even with McGinn at Aston Villa, um, we see Stuart Armstrong in the Southampton team be very sharp and hold that midfield together alongside Walprouse and taking one of your starting two centre mids out of the game to put him up front I think that was a bit of a tactical error that gave us space to be able to play in that midfield. I think if he had to put Che up front on his own and bring on a wide man like Gianepo, like he came on later in the game, might have been slightly different. So it worked in our favour. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're, you're right there in that sense. So we saw much improved performances from a few players. And we've had a couple of questions come through on our Instagram that you just search cock and ball pod and you'll find us. So both from Leon and Matt Reed, both essentially asking who do we think is going to get a run of games. We saw Bale come in and be the difference for much of that game. It's good to see him get 83 minutes. We saw Winks get a run out. Bergvine as well comes back into the team. Mm. How much of an impact do you reckon that's going to have moving forward for us, Tom, having players come back into the fold? Uh, yeah, it's good to get Bale back just before we send him back to Madrid. <laughs> timing, but like, he was... Even in the first half, he was so isolated. I think it was at paper, what, 
tweeted us in the first half going, he's, there's only so much he can do when he's got two players on him. And he was still able to, to create things for us in the first half, in a half where we didn't really create much. Then obviously his goal was like sickening, mate. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> sickening. He's so composed. He, you see those world-class elements. And you, when you've got a player like that in the books, you've got to play him. You, you know the quality that he's got locked in there. So he's definitely going to get a run of games for sure. It was good to see Winks look a lot more confident. I mean, even Dyer. <laughs> Look, I know, I know you've got your head in your hands there, Chris, but even Alderweireld and Dyer looked confident on the ball and in the way they moved around and the way they, you know, sat pretty compactly together. And I don't know, it's a, there's a lot of positives to be to be had. And uh, even the re-emergence of Bergvine, he, he's a fantastic option uh, to to bring on. I don't think he's he's not doing enough to start and put pressure on the starters, but what a fantastic option to have. And bearing in mind, Deli Ali was an unused substitute. Uh, and if you're going a bit tits up or you're trying to defend the lead, you could put Suzuka on just to be an absolute fucking menace. Although normally it's more of a menace to us. Um, <laughs> but there's, de- there's definitely a lot more positives there. But I think obviously the biggest positive change is just the, the, the culture change already. You could just see how much more comfortable we were in possession because we've got great footballers Great passes. Hoybier was so good to move the ball around the, the way he did and break up play. Like we saw the best out of him today. Yeah. yeah. And it, if we have that cultural change going forward, even the way we saw out yeah. the game, we were still pressing high. In a week where I was really starting to fall out of love with the game, fall out of love yeah. with the time, I didn't know where, to be honest, if I could sit and keep watching the games. Previously, because of the shit performances, and then because um, we're just horrible, greedy bastards, <laughs> it was just nice to have, you know, a, a good feeling. I would have just seen Mason and Lady King and Chris Powell out there, proper Tottenham lads, and seeing the boys actually fight, especially in that second half. We mm. were getting about Southampton. We did not make it easy for them at all. And it's just giving me that little bit of a little bit of hope, keeping me still fully in love with the game, which is just. I can't say how important it is. Anyone people say it's just a game, but for us diehards, it's it's a way of life. It means so much more to us, doesn't it? Yeah, we're smiling about it, aren't we? I mean, it's a, it's a completely different mood to it. If we just snuck through a win with a late penalty under Jose, we wouldn't be having these sorts of conversations. But it, it's the way we play. It's uh, playing with flourish and all of those Tottenham cliches. But they're, they're true. That That's why we love the game is to, to see it or to at least try and play it in a way that makes us fall in love with the magic and the skill of manipulating a football to move around the way it does and kick it in a, a big old onion bag. I mean, it's fantastic to us. I mean, look at us. Like, we've never been this cheery all season, probably not since like maybe the 6-1 against United, where we thought five goals will be enough to win it. Uh, and now look at us. It's like, it's a real weight off our back. The Super League's gone can't really see that resurrecting. Jose's gone. We've got positive football. We've got a new manager to come in the summer. And it's just, oh, it's, just a, it's just a good time to be alive. Our top four hopes are still there. And obviously, we've got the cup final on Sunday where fucking anything could happen. Um, but <laughs> Listen, cup even, finals even, a cup final. Yeah, yeah exactly. I just think having Jose Mourinho being outclassed by a 29-year-old on his first <laughs> <laughs> His first management you know, outing is 
something we can all take a bit of joy in. <laughs> yeah, he's out tacticked him in the first game as the youngest ever Premier League manager, which is <laughs> absolutely embarrassing. Bale's uh, the man of the match, so they wheeled him out for Sky Sports, and he said, "Well, it was a, I mean, it was a pretty a lot of subtle digs at Joe's over, honestly, but he said he's a fantastic um, half-time team talk uh, by the gaffer." And there were just little tweaks that he made, just little positional tweaks. Uh, and he just told them to be patient. Yeah. And that's all it took, those slight changes. But essentially just to keep on playing the way that they know that they can play. And you could see how that different that second half was. That's it. There's only so much you can get out of a player by telling him to be a cunt. <laughs> You're going to need <laughs> some helpful information to change a game. Yeah, but an intelligent one. What, what more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> It was just nice, like I said, it was nice to actually see a change, someone on the side. And we've seen Jose Mourinho on the sideline or whoever, even even part of him towards the end, where the change to be made, if anything, only had a negative effect. So it was good to see positive, positive moving forward. Bringing Sissoko on to win a game is not negative. (laughs) (laughs) That's just suicide, man. (laughs) Also on a positive note, I thought VAR, fantastic game. In fairness, uh, what if it went the other way around? Yeah, maybe, but then I think ultimately, <laughs> even for the disallowed goal that Son had, yeah, uh, and, and the penalty, it come to the right conclusion on, on both occasions. I think it deserves a bit of credit for that. It seemed yeah. to be a lot quicker, even though the, the ref had to go off the pitch. It didn't seem like they held up the game too long. No, well, um, I have to admit, for the, for the disallowed go, goal. In my lily white coloured glasses, I was fucking fuming at yeah. the time. <laughs> I was like, what? But yeah, no, it's, it is the right choice. He's, he's right in the line of the keeper, and that's that's the rules. That's that's only fair as well. You got to give keepers a sporting chance to actually see the ball. And that's not a new rule either. <laughs> no, it's exactly. been around for donkeys years. Yeah. That, and yeah. it was, I'm, I'm glad to see it come in for the penalty as well, because how many times have we seen that? And it's given us a free kick when. We all know on on the line is is in the box. Yeah, and even the handballs in the the build up was it uh, Vestergaard I think struck his yeah, arm, but, but like you don't want to see them given. And then they they go to clear it, and it he twats it straight out of Virod's midriff, and he's like fuck, and he's tucking his elbows <laughs> into his waist, going out to protect himself. And that, again, that that struck his arm technically, but again, you don't want to see that given and chalk off what was a penalty in the end. Yeah. So. Fair play, and I think it it wasn't like we got a lucky VAR pen at the end to to clinch it. I think on a balance of play that second half. How much is it to win late on instead of fucking lose or to give away a lead? But I felt like we were going to win even after the Sons disallowed goal, which I celebrated really hard, really fucking hard. <laughs> and that's why I was most disappointed that VAR talked to it. Oh, so I was like, I've wasted a lot of energy. That was hard work. But I, yeah, I felt confidence, a level of confidence that I've not felt in Tottenham and their play for a very long time. And we weren't even at the races necessarily today. Uh, even for the, the, the bail goal, I mean, I know that was an individual bit of world class, but I think I shouted, what a sick head, mate. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. But if we can evoke that sort of reaction out of me, then it's going well. Chris, anything else you want to add? Any tactical? Just going back to that question you had about who you'd like to see and who you think's got more minutes. I honestly think... Maybe the cup final was a bit too close. Lucas only played really because he's the only one fit. By Bergwijn coming on, I really think that's going to be an option for Mason. But yeah, no, I think you've hit it on the nail on the head. 
Well, speaking of uh, hitting a nail on the head, Dulux is uh, social media manager. Oh, no, Jamie Summers has just joined us. <laughs> can, can you hear us, Jim? Yes, hello. For context, Jamie Summers uh, is an actual journalist. And <laughs> he, he missed this, he's missed this podcast today because he was actually reporting on the news from White Hart Lane. So I know you're having a brew, but... Oh, give us the latest before I move this on. Not much to say. Uh, it was very quiet. White Hart Lane <laughs> is nice. I've never been before to the new ground and it is sexy. Well done. I was kind of hoping for a bit of a crack with some uh, some Spurs fans that might be mingling around outside and I couldn't decide whether that's just because there's none left after the last few days. or. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's about it. Nothing to say, I'm afraid. So hello. Oh, I'm glad you've brought us that cutting edge news that basically you went somewhere and nothing happened. But... <laughs> Didn't help that I was late, to be fair. <laughs> well, you were late today, so that, that sums you up. As I was uh, was trying to say, someone who did hit the nail on the head uh, in the build-up to this week, this clusterfuck of the week, was that whoever runs Dulux's social media accounts, for some reason, Club now has an official paint supplier. And I, I didn't understand the length and breadth of suppliers and partners that this club has so, so, you know you look at I don't know if you, you're into kitchen utensils but I love a Joseph Joseph like <laughs> they, they just look good but they give you <laughs> solutions to problems you didn't know existed and that is good marketing because I didn't know that I needed a self-shaking sieve I I didn't realize that was a problem I just tapped the sieve. Them mug things that never drop you no. hold the top and the, it swings your mug how you're walking so you can never spill the top of your tea. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a note of that. They look really, they look really good. You can just walk normally, you can swing around and because of like the pendulum action, you never it never spills. Yeah, if there's anyone out there who wants a bit of advertising done, just get in touch with Jim. I'm sure we can sort out something. Yeah, some cock put some cock and ball on a on a mug. I'm sure, walk around the office with that. I'm sure that'll go down well. But again, it's a problem. It's a solution to a problem I didn't know existed because ordinarily I'd have just put a fucking lid on it and it wouldn't have spilled anywhere. But you know, you spend like sixty pound on a mug and think, oh, that's absolutely fantastic. So basically, I'm going to do a little quick fire quiz just to see if you are aware of some of our other suppliers and sponsors because it's absolutely bizarre. For instance, did you know? that we have an official hand sanitizer supplier. <laughs> Jim, can you name this supplier? Nivea. No, it's Ineos Hygienics. <laughs> the fuck are they? Exactly. Are we getting Johnny. paid for this product placement? <laughs> I don't know, but we should do. I mean, so far we're getting kitchen utensils. We're probably not going to get paint. We might get some hand sanitizer, which is you know, it's quite a good time for hand sanitizer. Uh, let's see if we can get any coffee. Chris, we've got an official coffee supplier. Did you know that? No, was that meant to be for the bread and cheese room that never happened? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Do you know who supplies it? It's got to be Sank Posh, but well-known for like Lancashire tea or Sank. <laughs> nice old grey. It's a company called Tiki Tonga. I uh, have <laughs> no idea. They're, they're, they're for coffee roasters. Can you uh, buy them at your local supermarket? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I think um, they're available at all good podcast retailers if they, if they send them. <laughs> Obviously, we've got an official sports nutrition drink, and an official vitamin supplement supplier, and an official hydration supplier, which is different to the sports nutrition drink supplier. And it's like that. That reminds me of that uh, in 
Egypt. I remember going on holiday to Egypt once and um, they gave us bottled water because the water was crap. But the brand of water was called Sewer. Okay, lads, yeah. Maybe you want to think about your marketing here. (laughs) We've also got an official mattress and pillow supplier. No idea why a football club mental health injuries. Or is it just because of the hotel that we built that no one's allowed to use other than the players? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, apart from like Lamella's probably made good use of the mattress and pillow. Do you, can you actually name a mattress and pillow supplier? Uh, is there one called Easy Night or Easy Sleep or something like that? Yeah, you'd think that. It's called Mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of the sports nutrition drink supplier, we have an official sport fuel supplier from a company called Morten. Never heard of them. An official recovery technology supplier from Hyper. Uh, ice. Uh, You'll have heard of this one. Uh, an official headwear licensee, Chris. Sure, you can get this one. Mitchell and Ness. Nah, it's New Era, isn't it? Is it New yeah. Era? Snap, because we've got snapbacks and everything now. No, nah, you've got to go with original <laughs> Ness, mate. Mitchell and Ness. Original, <laughs> not New Era. OGs. Oh, I think the only sponsor I do know is their car sponsor, Aldi. I think the only thing we've proved here is that advertising is bollocks and don't waste your money on it. Um, Tom, <laughs> I mean, you're that, right. Does that put in question that? Are we paying for someone who's head of advertisement that can't name a stadium or find a sponsor for a stadium, but we can get 20 million sports drinks? <laughs> I mean, we've got a different betting partner, depending on what part of the world you're from. I didn't know this. <laughs> for Europe and Australia, it's William Hill. For Asia and the Latin Americas, on 88. For Africa, it's Betway. <laughs> Bizarre, utterly bizarre. We've got a trading partner, which has got fuck all to do with football. Like an official tyre partner. Why do we need tyres? But yet we can't find a sponsor for a stadium. Yeah, even though we've got an IT sponsor of Hewlett Packard, who we've all heard of. The official banking partner, I've definitely heard of, HSBC. Does anybody go like, you know what, lads? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bank with HSBC because Spurs. Like, I've never heard of them before, Spurs. Family <laughs> <laughs> bank come from. I might, I might leave now because they're associated to Spurs. <laughs> well, at least we've got an official snack partner as well, which you may have heard of, Cadbury's. Strong. So, yeah, fuck Nestle. <laughs> yeah, so if you, uh, if you want to support Spurs, never eat a Kit Kat again. <laughs> Anyways, in a, let's take a break from that. See what the biggest game of the season is coming, boys. Something to look forward to. I might actually go to Jim first on this because he's arrived late and he's definitely unprepared, which will make this <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Yeah, League Cup final on Sunday against uh, Manchester City. We've all been looking forward to this. No, we haven't. But we've all been dreading this for a long time. We just hope we don't get front. Or are we a little bit more hopeful, Jim? Uh, yeah, I, I think um, I, I didn't see tonight because I was too busy standing outside. But <laughs> uh, but it sounds like a positive result. And City, yeah, I mean, a new, new manager bounce. Let's see what, what Ryan Mason can do. I think it, it's kind of interesting. I mean, first of all, it's a massive shithouse move on Levy's part to Ben Mourinho before he can win a piece of silverware and say I won you some silverware fair play but yeah City uh, you can get at them if you can get in behind their defence you can um, you can definitely unlock them and uh, it would be good to see former Super League side Tottenham beat former Super League side City so uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah. supplier there Tom <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
maybe. Um, but anyway, they're splitters. I don't know how well how well prepared. Maybe I think it kind of says a lot about the previous manager, doesn't it? That making a change the week of the game makes a club think that you're likelier to win it. But I think on any given day, Spurs can go up against anyone. That that result against City in November was it November December? So yeah, I think so. It should be a good spectacle and. Um, and maybe it's a good opportunity to put this week behind everyone and just concentrate on the football for a bit again. So I just hope we don't get absolutely spanked. I mean, how <laughs> how unfair would that be on on Mason if we just get absolutely fucking ruined? <laughs> just destroy his managerial career before it's even really started. But let's just go out and um, let's just give it a go. Let's try and get amongst them. The only way we can beat them really is by trying to make it as hard as possible for them to pass through our midfield which is something we've made really easy so far and catch them on the counter hopefully Kane's back to to help with that so um I don't know if you see it the same Chris or there's another tactic you think we need to employ I honestly think you got to have the ball you got to take the ball off and you got to control the game I won't go for the counter because you let De Bruyne sit on the ball you let Gundogan sit on the ball even the likes of Rodrigo they're going to kill you if they've got the ball it's going to sound simple, but it's not. You close them down as quick as possible from the back. And then when you've got the ball, you look after it as best as you can. You be patient when you're attacking. So you keep the ball, keep the ball in possession. I think City, I think City have got their best players on the bench at the minute. You can get them. You can get a Zinchenko. Foden's an amazing player. I absolutely love the boy. But he's not an out-and-out striker. Even if Jesus plays, mm. he's not an out-and-out striker shouldn't they're going to cause you problems but if you keep them in front of you and not letting them get them behind you you've got them in front of you they can't hurt you but yeah I think centre midfield is going to be huge and Dumbelli, Lacelso, Heiberg you control the ball mate it's a winnable game let's be honest but yeah they've got players you can get out I don't think they're as strong as they are years ago but I think just Pep's just got so much guidance on them he makes them what they are Pep tactically he's amazing and all the players are bought into him but it's whether the boys have got the big, big enough cojones to go out and do it. Well, Tom, do you think this is a bit of a uh, free pass? I don't think anyone's expecting anything out of us, are they? Uh, yeah, which is why we should go out there with a, and play without fear. And I think that's what's held Tottenham back in the sort of the later Jose Mourinho period. I know it has been the last five months, this period. <laughs> so a third of his time here. But there, there was an element of fear in, in everything we did. But now, even tonight, although it wasn't electric... It was confident, and as the game wore on, it was patient, and it, that patience is so key. And I know Mason is essentially from the Potts school with elements of Jose, as he said in an interview, but obviously Potts is from the school of Bielsa. And looking at City's recent run of games, and in particular the game against Leeds, Bielsa did a number on him by being patient, just simple passing movement at getting in behind their fullbacks, and their fullbacks like to drift into midfield, which is... Um, it works well for them, but it, it's creates so much space in behind. It's what undone them for. I saw Villa's first goal before we started recording this. Uh, and I don't know if classic Stones, it, it was kind of a Stones error. So obviously we can't isolate him now, he's been sent off. But <laughs> there, there was space in behind because, you know, he didn't have Walker to protect him necessarily uh, because the fullbacks go drifting into midfield. And if you keep wide players wide and away from the centre backs, there, there were chances to be had because that, that's what Leeds did. Dallas ran from deep for their second goal to essentially come out of nowhere uh, and finish well. And we've got fantastic wingers, obviously. We've got world-class wingers. We're man-for-man, 
better than Leeds, but if we played the way Leeds played against them, of course we can win it in 90 minutes. But I do have a road shout. You can all shout at me if you want, because we don't know how fit Harry Kane is. If it were me, and you can't get 90 minutes out of Kane, I wouldn't start him, because I think your best chances are coming from chasey players coming down the wing. I'd rather have Kane come on for 30 minutes than play him for 60 minutes when he's not quite at the races. Because one of their centre-backs will just take him out of the game. Yeah, it's a hark back to um, the Champions League final where Kane came in and I think it was quite clear to everyone as as class as he is, he wasn't at 100% and and that sort of showed. I Personally, I'd go with Bale in the middle and get Bergwijn out wide with Son in the other side because Bale's link-up play was phenomenal today. He's the only player that seemed to be able to hook a sort of cut-and-edge pass from wherever he's on the pitch. And you know he's going to cause centre-backs all sorts of problems with his, with his physicality and, and his touch and his, his, his absolute class. So that's who I'd go with. To be honest, like you like you previously mentioned, Guardiola and what we see with City is the likes of Walker, Zinchenko, they almost come into play that CDM role um, to allow Rodrigo to go and join. Um, so that will allow spaces. So honestly, in this, I think Mason has to go back to what we had under Poch at the very beginning the 2 3 1 with Son wider than what he's playing at the moment. He needs to be almost hugging that touchline to stop him doing that. Mm. The minute yeah. they have the three they've already got plus the two, they're going to ruin Hoiberg. Hoiberg can't cover that match space and Dumbele can't <laughs> cover all them players. <laughs> that would just be 90 minutes of overload, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so honestly, I'd either go for the 2 3 1 or if you really have to, I'd play Ndombele in the 10 and go with Sissoko and Hoiberg. Um, just as much as he hates Sissoko, he's got legs. Sissoko on his day can be a problem. Next to Hoiberg, all you need to do is just run, follow follow them boys wherever they go. You need Son out wide. I'd go with either Bao at top or Vinicius. Ruben Diaz is a beast at the back. He's massive. Yeah. Um, Laporte probably come in or Nathan Aki. They're all big boys. Um, we can't have none of this Lucas up front business. We just can't have it. Bale would probably be my starter. Um, we see it do it for Wales. We've done. We've seen him do it for Madrid. He can be that problem. And then you'd bring more pace. Someone who's going to stay closer to that right wing in Bergwijn. All right. Should we do our scores and the doors then, Tom? Oh Christ! I don't want to do this. <laughs> Let's just give it your best go, mate. Best go. I mean, City have looked a bit shaky of late, despite their Champions League turnaround. But you like on their day, they're fucking unplayable no matter how good you are. So I'm wary of that. As long as it ain't, you know, if we concede less than two or two or less, then <laughs> I'll be happy. But what I'm hoping will happen is we'll. we'll I thought you were going to say less than six. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what worries me. I don't want it to be embarrassing. It's about it's about losing with style, isn't they it? Haven't got Edin, they haven't got Edin Zeko anymore. We're all right. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think we could nick a 1-0. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Jim, what are you saying is the neutral party? I'm kind of torn because on the one hand, the League Cup is basically City's Cup. Um, but also I have my well-known irrational hatred of City and love to see them lose. Um, <laughs> it's not irrational. You rationalise it very well. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go for one all in 90 minutes. And City in extra time. Oh, ouch, Jim. Chris, what are you saying? 6-0 City if Winks plays. 
No, really, I could actually see if we play the way we want them to play and we know they can play, City will keep coming at us. And if we do our jobs well, we could win this one 2-1, 3-1. Um, I could, I'd probably go for 3-1 Spurs. Like I said, if Winks is playing, then it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, I can't see us not conceding. They're going to score. My heart wants to say 2-1 Spurs, so fuck it. I'm going to say it. It's a cup final. Let's go for it. Uh, What's the uh, celebration uh, going to be like if we win? I don't know. I've forgotten what glory feels like. Uh, my neighbours get to see me naked. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> you mean they haven't already? <laughs> I'd, I'd hate to think what you'd do if we won the Champions League. Ah, oh, mate, so would I. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea what I would do if Spurs win a trophy. But we won't know until Sunday. I think that's probably when you'll hear from us again. So on that note, we'll see you when you're the other side of the cup final. If anyone's got any nails left, thanks for listening. <laughs>